Y'all didn't expect this, did you? <clears throat> Somebody warned you, who let the cat out of the bag? You're big ma- you went around and told everybody I was going to preach today? <laughs> oh, man. So that's why, there's, that's why there's mass exodus going out of the building right now. Everybody watch me walk up here. Now, most of you know who I am. I'm Rusty Hunter. I'm the pastor of One Refuge Church here in Hot Springs. It's a new church plant, and you go, if you're a pastor of a church, why are you here? Because my church has nobody in it today. It's completely empty. The lights are out. Nothing's going on. Because we meet on Thursdays. We do stuff a little different. We're, we're trying to be outside the box. Your church is outside the box, but we go even a little further because we don't meet on Sundays. And uh, so that's who I am. And some of you know me because most of you are akin to me. I was born and raised here in Hot Springs. If you're not kidding me, you've married some of my family. and so, Or you've married in. Uh, I'm 34 years old. I was born and raised here. I've never left Hot Springs. That's always been my home. Hey, if God willing, this will always be my home. I, I love this place. Some of you know me because I love to hunt and fish. And that's why I don't want to leave this place. Because there's so many lakes. And there's so many woods to hunt in that I don't want to go anywhere. Uh, but I went to school here at Lake Hampton. And uh, I spent 13 years. No, I did not flunk. That's kindergarten through 12th grade. And so uh, I graduated from Lake Hampton. And so that's how some of you know me. But this is my passion. This is what I love to do. I did construction for many years, and uh, I've, I've hunted and fished all my life. But this is my passion, telling people about Jesus Christ. That is my passion. And that's, that's, I'm so excited to be here today. And uh, I've been teaching a class here for the last several weeks. And I know that in my Sunday school class, when they saw me walk up, I went, oh, no. Because <laughs> I, have, I have one thing I usually tell them when we start out. I say, go ahead and take your right shoe off. And take your left shoe off, take your right foot, and just go ahead and stomp your own toe. And I don't have to worry about doing it here in a little bit. <clears throat> because when we open God's Word, it's meant to change our life. And now, how many of you in here like to change? Just a couple of people. Hey, there's a, couple, there's a few honest people. Most Americans do not like to change. You know why I know that? Because I can take a picture right now of where you're sitting and come back next week and find you. <clears throat> Because you're going to be in that spot. Hey, and I'm going to get on to you about that here in a minute. So don't get mad at me. I'm just going to tell you exactly what's in God's Word. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just going to tell you what he says. But hey, I've, I've got to go all over the place and go to different churches and speak. And it's the exact same thing. They all have their own seat. Some of them have their name on their seat. If you, if you have your name on your seat, go ahead and raise your hand. Some of you, you know that you've done taking enough gum and stuck it underneath the chair that you wrote your name in gum. Or you've, you've designated that seat as yours. You've sat there ever since this church was formed. Anybody in here has done that? I think y'all had to get rid of a few chairs and add some more. But I went to some churches and they had, they had blankets and they had Afghans and pillows. And I'll never forget, it was a little big church. And the first thing I did is I moved them all around. You're talking about some mad, mad women. It wasn't hard to find. All we had to do was go back to the, the cleaned off spot because there was dust everywhere else and put them right back where they went. Because they had nobody new coming in there. But that's the, the spirit of a lot of churches today. And, and as Tim's saying, why did you come here today? I came here because God excites me. Because God, God's done some things in my life. God's changed me. Is that why you're here? Because God's Word is meant to change your life. If it's open, if you just read a verse going down a billboard, going down the road, or if you are in a Sunday school class or a small group or a Bible study or somebody preaches to you, it is meant to change your life. And that's why we're here. You know, I told you some of y'all that I was a, a church planner here in town, but God's calling some of you. Did you know that? 
He's waiting on you to answer that call. Some of you to be teachers, Sunday school teachers, nursery workers, praise team singers. That Tim, I will never ask you to be on the praise team. I cannot sing. I can't even play. I can't even clap in tune. My wife won't let me clap because my thing is to see how many people I can get to clap with me and not with Tim. But God did give me the gift to talk. And I love to do this. But he's calling some of you right now. And some of you are struggling with that call. But I'm going to tell you something he's calling every one of you to do. And that's to know him and make him known. That goes for every person in this room. And see, there's a problem because raise your hand if there's an empty seat beside you. See, the house looks full, but still yet there's empty seats. And you want to know why there's empty seats? Is because we're not fulfilling our calling. Because some of you aren't knowing God and making Him known. Because that empty seat represents your friend or family member that you're supposed to talk to. Not Brother George and not myself and not Tim and not Brother Doug. You. That's God's call on your life. That empty seat represents somebody that's going to go to hell one day. Now I know people don't like you to say that word, but that's the truth of the matter. That that empty seat beside you represents somebody's life. That as in Matthew 25, he says, I'm going to split the sheep from the goats. And he's going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. And you can go, that's my mom, that's my dad, that's my brother. Maybe that's your son or daughter. And he's going to look at you and says, why did you not tell them? And so that's just a little mini sermonette as we get into the, the, the main lesson today is, is this church full of Pharisees? Oh, anybody make cricket noises? Because that's what we got going on. So is this church full of Pharisees? And you know what the answer is? Yes. Because we are all Pharisees to a point. So let's pray as we get into this, this topic today. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time that we can come freely, freely worship you in a nation. That we can come here without being scared of anything happening to us. But yet so often, Father, we choose to do other things. And we come here just so that we can check the box off. Or because we've always done it. Or it's what we're supposed to do. But Lord, today I pray that you would open our heart and open our minds so that what we say here moves into our hearts. That you take that heart of stone that we have that Deuteronomy says and you remove it and you, you replace it with one of flesh so that it can feel and so that it can grow. And so Lord, I pray that your spirit, your spirit would be free to move around in this congregation today and that we would feel your presence. But most importantly, that we would accept your challenge today and we would not leave here the same. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so now I've done hurt most of your feelings and I've called you a Pharisee, which, hey, I'm one too. I'm no different than you. And I tell people this all the time. I don't like to be referred to as pastor or brother or any reverend or anything like that. I'm Rusty. That's my name. That's what everybody's called me. And so that's what I want you to call me. I don't want anybody to call me because every good thing that happens with me is because God did it. Now, how many of you know that you're a sorry individual? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you just proved that you're a sorry individual because you're now a liar as well. Hey, I'm just going to be truthful with you guys. But there's nothing good in you. That's what the Bible says. You came here and you said, hey, I believe this book's true. Well, that's what it says, that you are a sorry individual. And apart from God, nothing good comes from you. And the exact same thing comes from me. 
I don't feel like that I've earned any right to be called anything else but the name that my mom and dad gave me. Because I don't have any privileges. I had somebody ask me this morning, go, why do you wear camouflage to church? I said, because I'm a redneck. I have a camouflage Bible too, but I was thinking about this in the back while I going, I said, you know what? I wear camouflage because I don't want people to see me. I want them to see Christ. You know, because you always hear that joke, I can't see you, you're camouflaged. Well, it's got a purple background. Yeah, you can see me. But that's the way we should be as church members. People should, should see Christ and not ourselves. So let's get into what we have. Is the church full of Pharisees? And the answer is yes. What's next, Michelle? A Pharisee, by definition, a member of an ancient Jewish sect, emphasized strict interpretation and observance of a Mosaic law in both oral and written form. Self-righteous or sanctimonious person, disagreeable or unpleasant person. Now, does that describe any church member that you know? <laughs> oh, you point to your wife. Good job, Randy. <laughs> you need to go look up sanctimonious. <laughs> but hey, at some point in time, you're all disagreeable. There is something that's going to go on in this building that you don't like, and you're going to tell somebody about it. Are you not? You're going to tell somebody, I don't like the carpet. I don't like the pews. They talk too long. It's too hot. Music's too loud. I mean, we can go through a whole list of stuff, and we're going to here in a minute. But all of you can be disagreeable. I can be a very negative person. If you don't believe me, my wife's sitting right there, my whole family there, most of you know me anyway, you know that I can be very negative at times. That's the exact same thing the Pharisees did. So now we're, we're already starting to get to the point, you know, I offended you and called you a Pharisee, but now you're starting to understand you're kind of like them. So let's go to the next one. More than a third of the gospel narratives are taken up with Jesus' personal struggle against the practices and ideals of the Pharisees. That's Matthew through Acts. That more than a third of those is written in there that Jesus is having to struggle with the Pharisees. Now, how many of you know what your pastor does all week? I promise you, he works. He's, he doesn't, he's not a freeloader. You have a pastor that works. You know what he's had to work most of his time at? Putting up with you. He's having to go home and say, Lord, forgive me for I want to choke them. I really wish they'd go on down to another street. Hey, Rusty's starting one refuge. If you don't like the way I'm doing it, you can go down there. No, he's not doing that. He's saying, God, how can I lead them? And it's the same struggle that Jesus had as he was looking across the crowd. He goes, why won't they believe me? Everything that I've said and done is written. They know it. See, the Pharisees knew their Bible. They knew their Old Testament. To be a Pharisee, you had to quote the Pentateuch. How many know what the Pentateuch is? That's the first five books of the Bible. George, we need, a, we need a Sunday school class back to the basics. Teaching people what the Pentateuch. How many of you have even read the first five books of the Bible? How many of you remember what it says? How many, let's try this. How many of you tried to read the Bible through in a year and you got to about the third book and said, I can't do this? Because it's tough. They quoted it. They knew it. That's to be a decent Pharisee. To be a good Pharisee, they had to quote most of the Old Testament. But there was a problem with that. Let's go to our next screen. They began to follow laws instead of following God. 
They started making up traditions that they would follow. They followed traditions. They had this thing, I hate this thing. We've always done it that way. See, they, they would go to Jesus and say, hey, what you're doing here isn't the way we've done it. We worship this way in the synagogue. We practice this way. We get here at this time and we leave at this time. And the Holy Spirit moves between 11 and 12. That's it. That is His allotted time frame in the United States. Think about how true that is. We want the McDonald's and the Burger King. We're going to pull up and you're going, you're going to order what you want because that's how we pray anyway. God, give me this. I'm going to give you this. And I, in about five seconds, I'm going to be on my way. But the problem is after you've left for about ten minutes, what's the food like? It's cold. And so is your Christian walk. But that's the way we do church. You show up here. Most of you get here right on time or maybe even a few minutes late. And you slide in the back door and you say, hey, no. You say hi to whoever. And you sit down and you hear a message. And you go, oh, I'm fixing to eat lunch. I'm fixing to eat lunch. And you leave here cold. And that's the exact same thing the Pharisees did. You wanted the best seats in the house. Now, I've already gotten on to you about this. And you've decided what you think the best seat in the house is because that's where you sit. And you'll sit there next week, and you'll sit there the next week. I used to teach, I was a youth pastor in town for a while, uh, for nine years, and I used to tell people it's, it's easy to find folks. It's easy to find those that nobody like because they sit in the same seats over there by themselves. You know, and all the popular kids, they sit in their seats over here. And all the ones that do this and all this, you know, you've all got your own seat. And we do the same thing in churches. Now, I mean, I've actually seen people get very, very upset because somebody's sitting in their seat. And what should we be doing? Give your seat up. Jesus said, stand if you have to. How many of you want to see this church grow? How many of you are saving seats in the back for people who want to slide in that are new? Or hey, making it easy for them to come right down the aisle and sit right beside the aisle so that nobody notices them. Because they've never been in church before. You know, this is what the Pharisees did. They said, I want people to see me. This is where I've always sat. This is what I've always done. This is where I'm going to be. But we say we're a church that wants lost people to come in, but we don't act like it. We act like Pharisees. We should be designating seats. Hey, come on in. If you've got kids, we've got five seats here in the back. If you need to slip out to the nursery, go right out. But hey, you know what? You know what Baptists are known for? Back row Baptists. That's right. We're going to hold the wall up in the back. But we got to make a way for them. That's what the Pharisees did. Our next one is they want to argue with Jesus. Now, this is very touchy. How many of you doesn't have? Had Jesus tell you something before and you didn't like what he told you? It's called conviction. You know what it is? We all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Hey, trust me, you all have a ball and chain. You all have sin that you have in your life. The problem is, this is what I told my church on Thursday, here's what we do with it. I'm not letting go of that thing. I like it. I want to keep doing it. Even though the Bible says over and over again to stop and follow me. We keep holding on to it. See then, Brother George is going to get up here and he's going to preach a message on it. You're going to say, 
He preached that straight to me. I told him what I was struggling with, and he, he did that on purpose. You know what? He did that on purpose to about 50 of y'all in here at the same time. Because you're all struggling with the same stuff, but you're too scared to admit it to each other. Because you're afraid they may know what you, what you like. You know what they know? You're a sinner. You know why they know that? Because they are too. We're all sinners. But we're scared to tell everybody that. Because we may have to change. We tell people that. See, Jesus came and He interrupted the Pharisees' way of life. They didn't know what to do. He was breaking all their traditions. He wasn't making them look good anymore. People were seeing their faults because they couldn't answer His questions. They couldn't do the things that He could do. He was God. They're not. And neither are you. Even though most of you live in your own universe and you believe that the world evolves around you, it does not. They command respect. And that's what we were getting into. I've earned this, is what the Pharisees said. I've studied this much. I've done this. I've done that. And that's what they'd say over and over and over again. Our next one. They honor God with their lips, but not their hearts. Tim told you over and over again, why are you here today? How many of you have told somebody that, hey, I go to Pleasant Hill Baptist Church? How many of you have told people I'm a Christian? Now, how many of those people you told that could tell that by your life and not by your words? You know, we struggle with that at times. I struggle with that. Some of you in here may know me from a different part of the world, and I've made mistakes. I fell down. I have, over and over again. This is what people do. This is why we are full of Pharisees, because we want to give everybody this answer that, hey, we go to such and such church. I've been a Christian since I was in the womb, and... You know, that's just who I am. I don't have to repent. I've never done anything wrong. We, hey, you portray that attitude at times. I'm telling you. What's the next one? More concerned with buildings and clothing. This is my favorite one. Jesus looks at the Pharisees and called them whitewashed tombs. He says, you're more concerned with the outside than you are the inside. I preached for a guy. Matter of fact, it's the guy that bought me this shirt. And he said, uh, if you're going to preach in my church, you're going to wear a suit. Mm, then I ain't preaching there. <laughs> he said, okay, we'll compromise. So let's hear it. He goes, I was preaching revival. And he said, will you wear a suit on Sunday morning? He said, I'll even buy you one. I said, you don't have to buy me one. I have eight of them. I just don't like them. But I said, I'll wear one for you on Sunday morning. And then he told me, he goes, I want you to come to my funeral because he's an older guy. And he said, at my funeral, you have to wear a suit. I'm not coming. So by the end of the week, we got matching shirts. He wears camouflage to preach sometimes now. Because throughout that week, he realized that he got so focused on what people wore than where their heart was. It was a sign of respect to wear a suit. And I'm not, hey, if God tells you to wear a suit, wear a suit. If He tells you to wear shorts, wear shorts. Just make sure everything's covered. That's all I ask. You know, and that's, that's where we got to get to as a church. It's not about what clothes you have on, it's about where your heart's at. You know, and now we can talk about the building. Because there is church splits over the color of the carpet. 
I literally was told this week of a church split over the position of the Christmas tree. I am not lying to you. They split the church in a little bitty town because one people wanted to put it in the front and the other people wanted to put it in the back. So now there's two missionary Baptist churches in this town and neither one of them get along. Because of a Christmas tree. It's not even biblical anyway. They should have just built a fire with a thing out and roasted hot dogs on it. But they split a church over there. You know, and we laugh and stuff, but that's what church members do. And you wonder why churches are going downhill since the 1960s. There's fewer Christians now than there ever has been in the United States. We're now the third largest mission field in the world. Countries that we used to send missionaries to are now doing, doing guess what? Sending missionaries back to us. We used to send missionaries to China left and right. Now China's going, hey, we need to go help that uh, demonic country over there called the United States. So now they're raising up missionaries and sending them back. And they're having to go back to the churches that sent them and bring them back to reality because of the way we act and what we do. Criticize Jesus for loving sinners. Pharisees said, why do you eat with the tax collectors and the prostitutes and all those people? Because they're people. Because when God looks down, He doesn't see a race, a color, a nationality and all those things. He sees His people. He doesn't, he doesn't see down and go, hey, they got a checking account at First National or, or Summit. Or, he doesn't see how much money he's got. He owns all that stuff anyway. You know what he looks down and he sees the bank account in your heart. And most of y'all's is empty. I'm telling you, most of your hearts are empty. Why can I tell you that? Because your seats are not full. Because when was the last time you shared out of the overflow of your heart with somebody what God was doing in your life? Because if your bank account of your heart was full, that's what's going on. And then that seat beside you would be full because you couldn't help but share that with somebody else. I told you all, just go ahead and stomp your own toe. What's next? Lovers of money. I've seen churches that have thousands upon thousands in their checking account and have nobody walking the aisles. Nobody. Churches are dwindling. There's actually churches closing the doors today by the hundreds each month. And some of them have impressive checking accounts because they're hoarding up money. Because they care more about how much money they've gained in their checking account than lives are changing and souls being saved, families being put back together. That's what God sees in bank accounts, not money. He told Peter to go cast a line in the sea and catch a fish and pay his taxes and mine at the same time. He don't care about money. What's next, Michelle? Now here's where we're going to get to the holier than thou's. The Pharisees would stand on the street corners and pray out loud and make spectacles of themselves so that everybody would see them. I led such and such group. I teach such and such Sunday school class. I do this, I do that. What's been the key word and all that? I. Where was Jesus at in any of that stuff? We struggle with that. We want people to see us. 
We want people to know what we're doing for the kingdom. You know why we do that? You know why we want people to say, hey, they teach class, they do this? Because then they won't look at what you don't do, which is share the gospel. They won't look at the sin that you've got in your life. You can mask all that stuff because you've hidden it under this facade that I'm a great Sunday school teacher or I'm a deacon or I sing on the praise team or whatever it may be. So we hide all that stuff under good works. And we tell everybody about it so that we, we build ourselves up so they won't look at us. Next one, Michelle. And I finished with bragged on themselves, which is what we were just talking about. How many of y'all are guilty of that? I had to put both hands up because I do that stuff all the time. What's next? The good news is the Pharisees did not start out this way. They did not start out this way. The name Pharisee in its Hebrew form means separatist or to be separated ones. They're also known as chazadim. See, I, did, I got it right, Michelle. Practice this all morning. Loyal to God or loved of God. That's how they started out. Hey, most of you started out on fire. Because most of you started out just like the two young girls did today. They were baptized. They got saved at a church camp. They came back to church. They got baptized. And they wanted to know everything about Jesus Christ they could because He has changed their life. How many of you started out that way? Some form or fashion? What happened to you? Now what's going on? Hopefully some of you are still on fire. But most of you have cooled off. Pharisees perhaps meant to obey God, but became so devoted to an extremist in the very limited parts of the law, they became blind to the Messiah. They became blind to what Jesus was doing right in front of them. And I'm telling you, Jesus is moving in our country right now. He's moving in the state of Arkansas. He's moving in Hot Springs. He's moving in your church. But we get so focused on the other things of church that we do not see Him move. They saw his miracles, they heard his words, but instead of receiving him with joy, they did all they could to stop him. Now I want you to think about this. Jesus spent a third of his time arguing with the Pharisees. God's laid a vision on your leaders' hearts. George is led by the Spirit. So is Doug and so is Tim. God's led a vision on their hearts to lead you to where God wants you to be. You know why you're not getting there? Because he has to stop and argue with you to, to follow him. Because there's something about that you don't like. It makes you uncomfortable. It means that you may have to change the way you do things. Heaven forbid, you may have to sit in a different seat. You may have to get here on time, early, whatever it may be. You may have to teach a class. You may have to stand up here one day. How many of you are scared death to speak? As a young boy, I was diagnosed with a speech impediment. You can still tell at times that my brain thinks faster than my mouth can talk. Most times because my foot's stuck in it. But I used to never, ever want to speak. But now it's my favorite thing in the world to do. Is to tell people what Jesus has done in my life. And what he wants to do in your life. And he's calling some of you to do the exact same thing. Maybe not as a pastor, but as a leader in this church, as a leader in the community. He wants you to stand up for him. The church today. Let's run through these pretty quickly. We've went through these pretty much. This is the way we've always done it. I sit in this seat every week. It has a tag of remembrance on it. That's my favorite thing. In memory of such and such. Hey, this was my great-grandmother's aunt. And I, we're not trying to just you know, put that stuff down. But we hold that stuff as a shrine. You know what should be a shrine? Jesus Christ. Not that seat. 
You know, you go to churches all the time. Well, we can't remodel because this was dedicated 150 years ago. We know you can see the floor. We can, you can see the ground through the floor, but we can't change this. Jesus is meant to change your life. And if He changes your life, He's going to change your church. I'm just not comfortable doing that. I'm a deacon, I'm an elder, a pastor. I've been at this church since the womb. I've already told you all that stuff. I mean, I've actually had people say, I was a member of a church since I was in the womb. My mama brought me and I've never missed a day. I said, you're still one of the sorriest people I ever met. Because that's what the Bible says you are. Tell everyone they're a Christian and then act like the world. Spend more time concerned with the building and how everyone is dressed. We've talked about that. One of my very favorites, those people. You know who those people are? It's you without the disguise on. That's who those people are. You just can see what their sin is and you're better at hiding yours. That's what those people are. They no longer try to hide theirs. Everyone can see them. I gave money for this. I tithed my 10%. I paid for that. You hear people in church all the time. I should, be able, I should have a bigger say because I give more money. We forget it's all God's anyway. Did you see all I've done? I'm better than most. At least I don't. And you fill in the blank. You fill in the blank of the sin that you say, I don't do this, but I know they do. So that makes them better than them. But we forget what Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't say when you get saved, then we throw that out the window. It says forever you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we forget that so many times. Jesus contrasts the Pharisees to his followers in these two stories. The Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18. Now I want you to think about this. Two men walk up to the altar, and I've been here many weeks, and I've seen all the people come up here. And I haven't seen this happen here, but I've seen it happen in churches. And one goes, the Pharisee says, Lord, look at me. I gave my tithe. I'm here every time the door opens. I do the things you tell me to do. And I just want you to recognize me for all I've done. And then somebody comes crawling to the altar. They won't even walk up to it. And they're broken and they're crying. And you can follow their path with the tears. And they're saying, Lord, I've messed up so bad. My life is a mess. Can't even look at heaven because you feel so bad about what you've done. And Jesus says, who do you think leaves forgiven? Not the one that was standing. But in so many churches... There's those people that are standing up going, look what I've done. Not enough people going, God, I'm a wretched, wretched person. The next story, Tim sang this song, the Pharisee and the woman who washes his feet in Luke 7. The Pharisee is the average church member. But there's a problem. He's trying to hold on to the world and religion at the same time. He's invited Jesus to his house so he knows what this man can do in his life. But he also knows what everybody else thinks. So, you know, as you go through the story, he doesn't wash his feet. He doesn't greet him with a kiss. He doesn't anoint his head with oil. He doesn't do any of these things. He just invites him to his house. And so many times you were just invited to the house and you just come fill a seat. You've done nothing else with Jesus Christ other than fill a seat at the table. And he wants so much more from you. And then the sinner walks in, the lady walks in, and he starts... She starts washing her, his feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. Takes the alabaster oil and, and anoints his body with it. And Simon the Pharisee looks and he says, 
if you'd only known how big a sinner she was. Who do you think Jesus wants touching him? The sinners. Simon had the same sins she did. He just was better at covering them than she was. She no longer cared about what the world thought. She said, I'm giving it all to Jesus Christ. Everything that I have. I don't care who sees me. I'm going to make a fool of myself for him. In churches today, there's so many people who won't do stuff because they're afraid they will make a fool of themselves. I prayed this one prayer as I walked down the aisle back up here just a second ago. Lord, if I, could, if I make a fool of myself and we reach one person, then it was worth it today. Because I'm very good at making a fool of myself. I make up words. I stumble over words. You know, the same thing that George did last week about misspelling something. I do that stuff all the time. I say things wrong. Remember, I told you I stick my foot in my mouth most of the time. But if we can reach one person, then it's worth it all. It's worth it all. Let go of the world. Take that mask off. Let people see you for who you really are. Let them see what you're struggling with because they may be struggling with the exact same thing. Maybe they can help you or maybe you can help them. And maybe they're struggling so bad that they need to be in that seat beside you and if they knew that you struggled the same things they did, they'd feel more welcome to be beside you in church. But you know why they don't come here? Because they're afraid that everybody will look down on them and judge them and be hypocritical. And they are right. Because that's the way we are as churches. We've got to get past ourselves so that we can let people see Jesus and not ourselves. So how do we stop acting like Pharisees? Well, let's look at one. Paul, by many, is thought of as the greatest missionary to ever walk the face of the earth. And he is. This guy did all kinds of stuff. And let's see what he says. We're going to be in Philippians, and you can take your Bibles and turn there. We went through all that so we could get to right here. We had to get you broken down and thinking so that we can get right here. So we can get right in the meat of things. And here's what it says in Philippians 3, verse 4. Though also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. You know what he just said? I'm a perfect church member. I've never missed. I sit on the deacon's list. I'm the chairman of the deacon. I sit on this council. I teach this class. I do all these things. That's what he just said in that. All the things that we lift up in church as places of honor, that's what he just said I do. That's what he's telling the church today. When it comes to, go back one. When it comes to righteousness, which is in the law, I'm blameless. What he is saying is, I've perfected the art of faking it. Because there's thousands upon thousands sitting in church right now who are going to die and go to hell. Your Bible tells you so. Because many say, I will call upon his name, and he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. And there's thousands of people sitting in church right now that if the world was to come to end, would go straight to hell. Because they are good at faking it. And I'm telling you, there's people sitting in this room right now that are faking it. And if you feel like I'm calling you out, I'm not, but God is. 
Because you're faking it. I can't see your heart. I see this picture that you paint, but God sees your heart. But what things were gained to me, these I've kind of lost for Christ. All the things that we build up is what Paul says. This is how you get past being a Pharisee. You start acting like that woman and say, I don't care about nothing else. It's all about you, Jesus. See, with Jesus, it's all or nothing. Remember in Matthew, there's a couple of stories, actually. There's three, and these people said, he goes to them and he says, follow me. And they all start giving excuses. He says, okay, go your way. Because with Jesus, it's all or nothing. He doesn't want just part of you. He wants all of you. That's why Simon the Pharisee struggled over the woman because he wanted just to have part of Jesus. He wanted to be able to say, I know who he is, but I don't really know him. I know who he is so that I can say that, but I can also keep my Pharisee seat. Now, some of you know me, and I'm not a big King James fan. I don't think there's any problem with it, but I'm not a big King James fan. But anytime I teach on this one verse, we use King James because it has one word in it I love. It says, Ye doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowing of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered loss of all things, and do count them but dung. This one word. This is the best translation of this one verse in all the translations. Because Paul puts it right, right here. That I may win Christ. It does not matter what clothes you have on. It does not matter what church you go to, what you drive, what your house looks like. All those things do not matter because they are worthless. And that's what Paul is trying to communicate to them right here. All the things that you hold dear to you are worthless. Other than Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and knowing Him and making Him known. That's it. And being found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. To his death. You see that? So that I may know Him. That I may know Him and His power. If by any means... I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained it or am already perfected. You get that? Not that he has obtained it. And we've already said that he's the greatest missionary that's ever walked the face of the earth. He says, I have not attained this yet or perfected it, but I press on. I fight through my struggles. I fight through my sin. I let people see me for who I am. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. His love for me. I press on and I give that out to people because He has first loved me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have have apprehended it. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Y'all have all heard them verses before. Philippians is one of my favorite books. Chapter 3 is probably one of my favorite chapters. Most books and most chapters in the Bible are my favorites. Especially if I'm speaking on them that day. But I want you to get this. 
We've made shrines of things in the past. We've built idols of things in the past. We reminisce about the glory days of how the church used to be. And that's not what Paul's talking about. Put all that behind you. It doesn't matter what Pleasant Hill Baptist Church has done in the past. Yes, you've grown. Yes, you've seen God move. But God's looking forward to more people that you're going to reach. If you're okay with where you're at, that means those empty seats beside you are going to die and go to hell because you're okay with being where you're at. We can't be that way. Number one, because somebody shared with you. If they didn't share with you, you wouldn't be sitting in that seat. If they didn't put on church camp, if they didn't take off and go there, if they didn't take off and be here on Wednesday nights, if somebody didn't preach to you, if if your grandma didn't love you enough to pray for you every day when nobody else would, you would not be here. And that empty seat would have your face in it. And your name wouldn't be written in the Lamb's book of life. That's our job as the church. Our job as a church is to know Him and make Him known. And we're going to close with these things right here. And we're fixing to open up the altars and, and you do whatever God lays on your heart. But there's some of you in here that do not know Him. You don't know Him at all. And He wants to know who you are. Because you can't make known something that you don't know. You have to know Him. And so He's reaching out to you just as He did to the Pharisees. He's saying, follow me. Some of you, He's calling into other parts of ministry. He's calling you to step up. He's calling you to lead this church. He's calling you to lead classes, to help in praise band, to be a door greeter, to come up here and clean the bathrooms. Some of you, He's calling to say, go talk to your neighbor. Go talk to your brother. Go talk to your sister. Tell them what I'm doing in my life, in your life. Tell them how I've changed your life. He's calling some of you to do that right now. Some of you have been fighting it for years. You'll come to church and you'll say, hey, please pray for so-and-so. They're lost. But you don't have enough guts to go over there and tell them what God's done in your life. And God wants to see them saved. You can look that up. First Peter. I wish that no man perish. But you know what He's waiting on? You. To quit being a coward. And to tell people that you love Jesus Christ with all of your heart. And not be like the Pharisee and the woman. He's wanting you to be like that woman. And saying, for nothing else but the love of Christ. That's what He's calling some of you to do. First, He's calling some of you to know Him. Second, He's calling some of you to make Him known to others. Third, He's calling some of you to stop taking up a third of your pastor's time with petty stuff. That's what God's calling this church to be. He's calling you to be a lighthouse in the world today. And to do that, you've got to let go of stuff. Is red carpet or blue carpet going to bring any more people to the Lord? No. Then who cares? Whether your church seats 500, 50, or 5,000, is that going to bring any more to the Lord? No. You know what brings people to the Lord? People. Chairs don't. Carpet doesn't. Sound systems don't. Projectors and all that mess. They're all great. But they don't lead nobody to the Lord. People lead people to the Lord. People disciple other people. 
You talked about your men's ministry. That was one. It's a great verse. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. As iron sharpens iron, so shall one man sharpen another. Who are you sharpening, ladies? Who are you sharpening? Or are you just taking up oxygen inside of a church building? What are you doing today for the Lord? Do you know Him? And are you making Him known? Now these guys are going to come play. Altars are open. What is God saying to you today? You know, I know that some of you may, you may not have liked me when you got here and you may really not like me now. And that's okay. Because if God pricks your heart in any way, that makes it all worth it. Because do you know Him? Some of you are sitting here today and you don't know Him. Come. George is up front. I'm here. Doug's here. Come tell somebody. I need to know who Jesus is for real. I need to take the mask off. Some of you need to make Him known. If God's put somebody on your heart, leave your chair. Because here's what's going to happen. If God's called you to do something in the last 30, 45 minutes, and you don't make a commitment to Him, you're going to walk out of here and you're going to... You're going to find a way to excuse yourself from that commitment before you start your car. So if God's called you to do something, if He's laid somebody on your heart, if He's called him, He's put a ministry on your heart to do, if He's put something, anything on your heart that's going to change your life, leave your chair. Don't wait. Come on. If He's called you to change, come on. If He's called you to know Him, come on. What has He called you to do? What's He talking about?